Boker Tov, everyone enjoy the uh, coffee and donuts. Ten minutes of meaning is sponsored by Becky Navi Katz in memory of David Grossman, Becky's father. We are in the fourth chapter of Mesila Sisharam. The Ramchal has been developing for us the importance, the notion of Zahirus, how to acquire the attribute, the character trait of mindfulness, of living life with our eyes open consciously, making choices not out of rote and not mindlessly and not passively, but being active, proactive, and being responsible for the choices that we make and therefore molding and shaping and crafting the life that we live. Not to wake up one day and have lived the same life over and over and over. There's a great quote from one of the productivity gurus that uh, you, know, you, could, you could live the same life, the same uh, day or year over and over and call it a life. You could be 70 years old and it's 70 years of progressing. Every year you improve, you grow, you're better a better version of yourself, or you could live the same year over and over and over again. So the difference in the kind of year, the kind of life we're going to live, whether it's one where we have satisfaction and fulfillment and pride, or whether it's one that's filled with regret and remorse and wishing we had a second chance or could do things over, the, the absolute determinant of which kind of life it is, is whether we're living mindfully, whether we're present in the choices we're making, whether we're consciously making them, where they're being made to us. I mentioned yesterday in the Parsha class, in Rabbi Soloveitchik's uh, terms, are we a chevza or a gavra? Are we living life as an object that's acted upon? Are we a chevza? Are we a gavra? Are we the balabas? Are we responsible in our own lives? So the Ramchal was developing the notion that people are driven or motivated to live mindfully based on, different, uh, based on the status of the life they're living. Some are overachievers. Some strive for perfection. They want to do everything right and everything the best. And therefore, they want to be the best davener, the best learner, the most chesed, the biggest tzaddik, the most anivas. They want to do everything right. In life, they strive for perfection, not because they're competing with others, but because they're competing with themselves. A person is internally driven to be the absolute best version of themselves. But below that level, I would argue a level where most of us find ourselves, is not necessarily the internal drive for perfection, but the notion that we want to compete. We want to get ahead. Most people, the human psyche was designed, the Gersh Baruch who created us, that when you're on the plane, you're happy with your seat, as long as there's not a seat that's better. When you get a hotel room, you're happy with your hotel room, unless there's a hotel room, which is an upgrade, which is better. Everyone wants the best. They don't want someone else having better or more than themselves. So what Amchal describes, he paints a portrait and image for us. So ask somebody who's a spiritual underachiever, when it comes to professionally, when it comes to materially, I want the best car, I want the best house, I need to look the best, I want the best, I need the most nachas for my children, I need to have the nicest clothing. But when it comes to spiritually, ah, eh, I could come late, I could leave early, I could talk. So I'm not careful with what I look at or what I say, or if I volunteer and do chesed or show kindness. Ask that person one question, says the Ramchal. Hayuchlu kokach al nikla nekal lizbo ba'olam azach olif. You know, in this world, we find it painful when someone has it better than us. You go to a sporting event, you have a good seat. It's good, nice, you're happy with your seat unless someone has a better seat. As I said on the airplane, in the hotel, in every area of life, so the person who's competitive in this world, this world which is fleeting and temporary and f- meaningless and inconsequential, many or most of those activities, but imagine the world to come, the world to come which is eternity, 
which is forever. The decisions we make in this world determine where we sit in the world to come. The Raman describes it like a palace. Are you outside on the other side of the moat? Do you make it inside, but you're in the antechamber? Are you actually in the, the lobby, the hallway, the main room? How close are you to the throne? In the world to come, where God is revealed, there is no distraction, there's no world of concealment, there's no doubt or uncertainty. The greatest bliss, the greatest pleasure there is in the world to come is having access, contact to the source of all, to Hashem. The better the seat, the more pleasure. So you're going to be in the nosebleeds in the world to come? You're going to be outside in the parking lot still trying to scalp tickets to get in? You're going to be in the middle level, the mezzanine, the lower level, the front row, the padded seats with the free kosher smorg? Nothing's free. You paid for those padded seats. Are you going to be... Where are your seats? Are you going to be on the floor? Where are the seats? Well, once you're in the world of truth and the Olam HaEmes, you can't move down. Forget the ethics of moving down. But you can't move down in the Olam HaEmes. You can't get a better seat. So the seat assignment is a result of the choices we make in this world. So says the Ramchal, how are you going to feel in the world to come when the person who you thought wasn't as smart and wasn't as driven and wasn't as good-looking and wasn't as charismatic and had so much less than you in this world? You drove a nicer car, you lived in a bigger house, you had a more beautiful spouse, you had better children, you had... And you see the person who you thought was inferior to you in a better seat than you in the world to come. How are you going to deal with that? How much pain is that going to cause? Lo, vada, you're not going to be satisfied. Hashem designed the human being with a healthy dose of competitiveness. Some have it more, some have it less. But people are competitive. The competitiveness can be a negative, can be a liability if you're overly competitive, if you're ruthlessly competitive. But competitiveness can be an asset. If it motivates and it drives you for more and better for yourself, not for honor and not to get ahead of someone else, but you're internally competitive because you know you could do better and you know you could be better and you know you could accomplish more. Aaron Akoin, after he sees other Nasim each bring a korban, he says to Hashem, it's not fair to me. Hashem says, don't worry. Hashem doesn't say, what are you, an impetulant child? You say it's not fair to me? You're Aaron Akoin, you're complaining, you don't get to bring the Karbanos of the Nesim, you don't get to bring those sacrifices, it's not fair to you. You're not a child, Aaron. You get what you get and you don't get upset, but God doesn't say that. What does he say to Aaron instead? He says, I have something special for you. I'm so happy that you're driven, you're competing. You also want access to be able to spiritually accomplish. No problem, I have something for you. The Gemara says, Scholarship is enhanced. People learn Torah and people introduce novelty in Torah. Why? Because kinasofrim, academic competition, yields greater scholarship. The Gemara says this not as a criticism or a concession. The Gemara seems to say it as an acknowledgement of a reality. So the ruthless competitiveness, where you're willing to do anything to get ahead, that's a negative, that's a liability. But a healthy competitiveness where you're competing to be the best we can be, to achieve all that we can achieve, is just part of the basic human psyche, and it's a wonderful quality, because it motivates and it drives us. So just like, I'm going to want the best seat at the concert, the Hanukkah concert, I want the best seat at the sporting event, I want to get ahead in area of life, I want to be able to live up to my potential professionally, and personally, and academically, in relationships, in my health, in my appearance, 
just like in those arenas I want to compete to be the best version of myself, then we should forecast, look ahead to the world to come and anticipate the life I'm living right now spiritually. I'm an underachiever spiritually. I don't go to shul or I come to shul, I come later. I come to shul and I talk. I don't set aside time for learning. I don't give stuck. I don't volunteer to do chesed. I'm not careful with what I look at. I'm not careful with what I speak and how I judge others. I'm an underachiever. Eh, mediocrity. What I have is good enough. Where is that going to land me in the world to come? What seat is that going to purchase? Am I outside the arena? Am I in the nosebleeds? Or do I have a floor seat? And if I'm in the nosebleeds and I see all these people who in every other area of competition I feel superior to them and they've got better seats, how am I going to feel? Channel the competitiveness into the area that lasts not just for this world, the 70, 80, 120 years, please God, of this world, but channel the competitiveness to be the best version of ourselves, have a trophy case that proves the award and winning all the, the uh, getting ahead in the spiritual arena, not just the physical material. You think that if you're satisfied with mediocrity spiritually in this world, you'll be happy with your mediocre seat in the world to come. You think so. That's just a justification to get away with living with mediocrity. But you're not going to be satisfied with mediocrity because you're not satisfied with it anywhere else in the world. You're not happy having the seat outside the bathroom in the back of the plane. You're striving to get to a status level so you get the upgrade to be ahead. So we know that we're not satisfied. And if you know you're not satisfied and you're driven, then anticipate the pain. And the pain is not going to be fleeting for one sporting event or one Hanukkah concert. The pain of seeing others with better seats is eternal and everlasting unless we live the life and make the choices in this world and right here and now to land us the best seat possible. Essentially, the Ramchal is saying, Live life with no regrets. You know the most painful thing, and as a rabbi, I interact with people who are struggling with these issues all the time. Among the most painful things is having regrets. People who later in life have no savings and have nothing to live off with retirement, and they say, I should have gone into another profession. I should have gone to the school I thought about going to. I should have taken a different lane change. And they can't undo it. People whose children are grown up, and they're not exactly embracing the lifestyle or living the vision they had for their children, and they say, maybe I should have sent them somewhere different to school, to yeshiva. My Shabbos table could have looked different. I could have been a different role model. But the children are grown up. They're out of the house. The likelihood of changing it is very difficult. When a person has regret, some have regret over who they married or who they stayed with and they sacrificed their happiness or who they could have become or the best version of themselves. Regret is among the most painful, painful things. It says the Ramchal, don't have regret. Don't lie on one's deathbed and say, you know, I could have made different choices and lived a different life and had a greater and better eternity forever. But the difference between those other examples and the area of spirituality is this is a regret that can be undone in a moment. It can be undone in a moment. A person can determine their righteousness and their virtue in a moment. If you just transform yourself and say, you know what? I come on time to davening. I pay attention. I'm a giving can person. I'm going to redefine who I am between my, in my relationship between man and man and between man and God. It's the one area of life with which, with regret, in a moment, you can transform everything. Because all that matters is the here and now. The seed assignment comes based on who I am right now. So when I decide who to be right now, that's all that matters. The Mirza Shem will pick up with this next week. Have a great, fantastic day.